This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The international window is shut. Thank the Lord for some of us. And we are back, Ego Lasso, with your regular programming. Poppy Miller is in the house. James Bench is in the house. Ego Lasso Weekend Preview. Jonathan Johnson, by the way, later on as well. Can't forget about him. Ego Lasso Weekend Preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. If you uh, haven't done it already, please follow us on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. It's our one-year anniversary, by the way. We'll be talking about that in a second. So thank you so much for your support. Keep following us, and don't forget to watch us as well on CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Right then, we can preview. Yes, James Bench, how are you, my friend? I am great. It's hard to believe that Kego Lasso is only 17-ish years older, younger than me. <laughs> almost 400 episodes as well so thank you so much for your support and welcoming back once again cbs sports hq's one and only puppy miller puppy how are you i am so honored to be here for the big birthday james don't you feel like this is a really special occasion i'm actually i'm so honored we got the call up for this so happy birthday Kegelazo, and I'm so happy to be here. And it's better circumstances than when we were last all together, just the three of us. It was, of course, the Euro final. Oh, yeah. oh God, that was terrible. Poppy, they, Poppy, they say you join Kegelazo pod uh, twice, once on the way up. Um, <laughs> it's really good to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James Bench. That is just cruelty, but absolutely. Poppy Miller, James Bench, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. By the way, I know, I know. It's a US based podcast. I know, I know. Our employers are Americans, but thank the Lord the Yanks are gone in this one. So if you're not American and you were just tired of the USMNT, well done, well done. And you were just, you know, okay, let's get back to regular. Well, this is it. Finally, we get some international flavor. No offense to Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce, of course. They always do a tremendous job. But my God, sometimes America can just be too much, right, James? No. <laughs> no. We're still employed. We're employed by Americans. They could chuck you out of the country for all I know. Am I about, am I about to get fired, Poppy? Yeah. I, think I, I was just going to say, did Jimmy take today off on purpose? Because it sounds like he was a bit worried how things were going to go yesterday with the US. So he was thinking, you know what? Let me clear my schedule just in case he needs to have a movie day on the couch. Just collect yeah. his feelings again. Oh, yeah, Jimmy, that, that... miss you. We hope you're okay after last night. It wasn't a good start, but it was a good finish. That's for sure. Yeah, the USMNT finally got the job done. And again, jokes aside, Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad absolutely killed it throughout the international break. So thank you so much. But all right, let's get that, uh, back to business here. Jonathan Johnson will join us later. But we're going to begin in the Premier League, everybody, as uh, domestic club competition finally returns. And usually we don't do this, but we do begin with Newcastle United as they host Tottenham Hotspur. Newcastle, their first game under new ownership. Of course, if you don't know the news, obviously you've been living under a cave 
but Saudi Arabian ownership, uh, majority ownership takes over Newcastle. Um, as we're taping, by the way, Steve Bruce is meant to have a press conference on Friday as well. Presumably, according to our Fabrizio Romano, he is staying uh, for the foreseeable soon future, but obviously there's plans to maybe replace him. Uh, some Newcastle fans probably hoped that Steve Bruce was going to be gone already, but regardless, there's a game to be played. Newcastle United against Tottenham. So let's uh, begin with the convo, James Bench. Uh, how do you see this game specifically because of everything that's been going on? I mean, this is the sort of strange thing that, that we've had two weeks of talking about how the arrival of, you know, whether it's someone like Jesse Lingard, I mean, Brendan Rogers, who quite swiftly ruled himself out, or, or, you know, kind of or hit people close to him ruled himself out of the job. You know, whether it's them, Lingard, you know, big name footballers, Mbappe, whoever you want to name, Timo Werner. We've had all these conversations about which players are going to join in January. And then you kind of come to this game with the sort of thudding realisation that between now and then it's a incredibly ordinary cast of players who, you know, certainly could be better positioned in the table than they are and, and probably should be winning more games than they are. But that is, what, the 14th, 15th best team in England? And we've had these takeovers before and... um you know, I know Chris Ward did a great job uh, last week talking through some of the uh, issues that come with this takeover. But I think when Man City were bought, when Chelsea were bought, you had teams that were solid mid-table Premier League clubs. And right now, we've just seen the takeover of a team that probably ought to be fighting against relegation. And, you know, what what optimism there was outside St. James's Park, I think it's going to get kind of checked over the next few weeks. Tough games. Tottenham aren't great, but you have to think that Harry Kane and, and Jungman Son will start finding form better. And like they've bought a relegation candidate. This could be a really tough game. And um, yeah, <laughs> January is going to be really interesting looking further forward. But, you know, Saturday might be a or Sunday might be a bit of a thud back to uh, back to earth, I think. Oh, James, I don't think so. I think this is going to be the weekend where Newcastle get their first win of the season. I just feel like ever, that place, St. James's Park, is going to be absolutely rocking, is it? I mean, we saw all yeah. the fans outside. We know what an impact they can make. And it's just been such a disappointing time, hasn't it, lately for Newcastle fans. They've finally got something to smile about. Tottenham, on the other hand, I feel like they can be a bit of a banana skin team where Newcastle could get that result. So... I don't know. I think the same thing. I think that reality will hit soon. I just don't think it's going to be this weekend. And part of me wants, you know, I'm going to be watching Newcastle United this weekend. I feel like there's going to be so many eyes on it after everything that we've seen. I mean, who would have thought that Newcastle would, I mean, are they the richest club in football? They are, aren't they? So mm. it's just absolutely baffling. And I feel like I love seeing all the tweets and the social media posts and even all these players, you know, joking, who is you, Newcastle United? Well, I think everyone's going to know, especially if they don't already after this weekend, because, yeah, like you said, it hasn't been a good start to the season. It hasn't been good there for a while. But I feel like with the way things are for Tottenham right now, this could be a, this could be a good game at home for uh, the Magpies. Yeah, it's a good argument for both of you, I think. I mean, the reality does hit, though, uh, as James and Poppy both mentioned. Listen, 19th Newcastle right now, zero wins. So, yes, obviously, there's the energy, the euphoria. As you mentioned, Poppy, St. James's Park is going to be absolutely buzzing. But reality is this, zero wins, 
Steve Bruce is still the manager. So regardless, you know, after what, the first 10 minutes when the energy is like pumping and the noise is going, what happens when they don't score yet? It's halftime, you know, and the more the minutes go and the more Tottenham gets more comfortable. I mean, does Newcastle need a win here no matter what, James Bench? Well, no, because Steve Bruce is going. You know, this is really, and Fabrizio reported this, people in the Northeast reported this, I've heard the same myself. This is really about them taking time to find the right manager to get the job. And I think people, on Sunday, people will know that Steve, this is it's very strange, his thousandth game in management, I believe, and it's basically going to be his farewell, for now at least, from the Premier League. I thought, I thought Poppy made a great point, though, and one that maybe I'd, I'd not really considered enough myself, which is, I've been lucky enough to go to St. James's Park a couple of, couple of times and it, the atmosphere was morose. It's so depressing. I, I was there for the first game of the 1920 season. Mm. It was pouring with rain and the rain, you know, is literally coming into the the, the, the stands, but the, half of them are empty anyway. No one wanted to go. This was the start of a new season, you know. There was no optimism around the place. and Yeah, and just to juxtapose, I'm going to let you keep going, I'm sorry, but just to juxtapose that, growing up, I've been to St. James's Park back in the day, in the late 90s, and that place was buzzing. The entertainers, they called it. So it's just a juxtaposed idea to what Newcastle used to be. So to answer uh, Poppy's comment about like when people say, oh, who is Newcastle? They have to remember, this is a historic club, and that's part of the reason why the energy has returned. Go ahead, James Bench, didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I think that's exactly it. And I think you will be getting a St. James's part more like that. I mean, God, I'm uh, you're, you're just awaiting the slightly uncomfortable, slightly awkward things that will bring. You, you're seeing people on social media defending the Saudi regime. That side of it is really weird. And I think we're going to ha- end up addressing some awkward things. But equally, I just think that not just St. James's part, but Newcastle, and we all know, and for our American listeners, Probably not many cities, I would imagine, in the States, certainly not many in the UK as well, where the centre of the city, the heart of the city is the football ground. It's, mm. it, you know, it looms large right in the middle, right by the metro centre. It is right in the heart of the, the town. And that whole place will be buzzing. It will, And that will clearly help these players. And um, I think that side of it is really exciting. It kind of makes me wish I was uh, I was there myself. But yeah, I, yeah, that will that will help. The, this pretty ordinary bunch of players get a little bit more on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will. I mean, Tottenham will not be easy because they got their own uh, expectations and objectives of score. Poppy, let me ask you this. Obviously, Fabrizio was talking about and it confirmed as well, you know, with others that, you know, Steve Bruce is just a matter of time, I think, regardless of the score. Who would you think Newcastle could get? We're talking about the richest club in the planet now. Uh, some managers are available. I mean, Dare to dream, Newcastle United. Who 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 do you think could be the right person for this job? Well, I, I know you both just mentioned that Brennan Rogers. Obviously, he's been rumored heavily. He shut down the rumors, so we'll wait and see. I mean, we see that all the time, though, don't we? I mean, Hansi Flick said, "No, I'm not interested in the German national team job," and then the next season he was yeah. there. So we know that that can happen. However, I did read a really good point earlier on today that I think it's it's almost beyond the manager isn't it at this point who can they bring in as the technical director who's going to have the vision to bring in all these players so I think that's an interesting point and one that I hadn't really thought of is you know who is going to look at this club and bring it up from the ground up you know and obviously the manager will be at the forefront of that 
I always like to see think of Frank Lampard returning to the Premier League, so I would like to see him back in at some point. But I don't know if Newcastle would be the right fit for him, and we'll see, you know, which job he which job he takes and and how long it'll be until we see a return from him, uh, managerial wise. So I think it's a tough one, isn't it? And it's almost like, you know, this club that has so much money now. And we've seen it with PSG. Money doesn't always translate into amazing things off the bat on the pitch once you have the players in place. And this is a club that's got to get those players to that point. So I feel like it's a tough one to vision because it's so there's so many steps that need to get to that point. But I do agree with James. I think it's uh, just a matter of time until we see um, Steve Bruce say goodbye. I mean, if I, if I were being sensible, I'd look at maybe like a name like a Lucien Favre, who's who's in the con- on the continent, available, and clearly, you know, who is he? According to some people in the UK, well, yes, bless, I know, <laughs> only the man, former manager of Borussia Dortmund, and other such high flying teams. I really like another one that's available, and no one really has mentioned his name in regards to this job. But Chris Wilder did a phenomenal job at um, mm, yeah at Sheffield United. You know, I don't think anyone really holds that the failures in the second season against him I quite like him but you know what the heart wants what the heart wants and my heart wants Kevin Keegan back at Newcastle wow third term it ended so horribly for him with Mike Ashley so you kind of want just to sort of say to 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 Keggy here's a billion pounds have fun enjoy yourself (laughs) And I tell you what, I would love it. I would love it. if That that would kind of be kind of amazing. But, you know, we will see. But anyway, if you think you have an opinion on who should be Newcastle United's next manager, make sure that you tweet us. Get Golasso Pod. All right, let's move on here because there's plenty more to talk about in the Premier League. And we move, as I look at our schedule here, we move to two returning heroes. Two returning heroes coming back to some clubs. Let's begin with the Monday game. James Bench, Arsenal against Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira returns to Arsenal. Now, obviously, Mikel Arteta in his press conference said, listen, he has no doubt. Vieira will be greeted with applause and cheers. And uh, if you're a young Arsenal fan and you begin to do something that's otherwise, shame on you. James Bench, give us the update on this game. Arsenal against Crystal Palace. Yeah, I mean, a big game for Arsenal just to kind of... The draw with Brighton sort of soured things a bit. It was like a tad... They were certainly the second best team. And I think it is what is really strange about Arsenal right now is things are getting better. There is support. There's a desire from the fans in the ground, maybe not on social media, but in the ground to to really show patience with Mikel Arteta. But there's not excitement. So it says a lot, I think, about the Arsenal project and where it's at that you can buy tickets. You guys could buy, hop on a plane to Heathrow and buy tickets to go and see Arsenal on Monday night. Now, the Emirates Stadium... You supposed used to be one of the hottest tickets in town, um, and now Monday night. And I know it's Monday, and people have to work, and there are always mitigating factors. Um, but I think it's also the same for Aston Villa on Friday as well. That there are still tickets available on general sale, which is weird. Mm. Um, and I think it just reflects that Arsenal are a slightly dull story right now. There's, you know, there is a long term vision, and maybe it's exciting, but they're not a great football team to watch. Um, I don't feel like this is going to be a game they'll find easy. I think Conor Gallagher is going to really shine, as he always does. I think he might be one of the best midfielders on the pitch. Um, and yeah, it's not very exciting. So I know that's not the hard sell that I should be offering. But uh, <laughs> but surely Vieira coming back, Poppy Miller, don't you think that's a good thing? 
Definitely. And I feel like just those two being on the sidelines, it's almost like Arteta's got something to prove as well against Vieira. So that's going to be really interesting. But as to James's point, I just think it's such a strange year for Arsenal because obviously we're so used to seeing them play in Europe. So now they don't have those midweek games to contend with. I feel like we really have to see them making significant improvements. Last year, Arteta spoke a lot about, you know, it's difficult. We've got a lot of injuries. It was COVID. They've got midweek fixtures. They're on the road. They're in the Europa League, which obviously is never an easy league to play in just with the travel. So it's been a good period for them between the last international break and this one. They've done pretty well over the international break as far as no injuries, massive injuries or anything. So I think when they break up the season, they've got to keep making sure that they're climbing up the table. And this is, you know, a team now that's looking for their sixth win across all competition, unbeaten in their last five, sorry. But as James just mentioned, I feel like Crystal Palace, they've really come into their own, you know, as of late. And they love that counter-attacking football. You mentioned Conor Gallagher. He's been brilliant, hasn't he, in the middle of the park. So... It's just difficult with Arsenal because I feel like you never quite know what you're going to get. And as James says, the Emirates, that plays such a big factor into how the team plays. And the fans haven't been very forgiving, understandably so as of late. So I feel like if they don't put in a good performance, we'll see upset fans. That could have an impact. It's a Monday night. So... I don't know, all these things seem to be slightly against Arsenal, but this is, you know, Arteta's time to really start making significant improvements and especially climbing their way up the table because no one wants to see Arsenal sitting in the bottom half, that's for sure. Just briefly, one one thing to add on, on Vieira coming back specifically is that it, obviously this brings Arsenal fans back, you know, fantastic memories. I thought Arteta said so well, one quick side note that he said so well when he was saying about have Arsenal managed he was asked have Arsenal managed to ever replace Patrick Vieira and he made the point and this is completely right that you just can't replace Patrick Vieira world football has probably come up with maybe half a dozen Patrick Vieira replacements if you're being generous kind of since he's retired the odds of Arsenal getting another Vieira vanishingly small but also having him on the sidelines it will remind Arsenal fans it will remind me of those brilliant times in the early 2000s where this was one of the best teams if not the best team in Europe yeah. where the, the, the sky was the limit. Their ambitions was everything. Their ambition was to go a whole season undefeated, to win the Champions League. And now what's their ambition? Maybe to finish fifth? You know, mm. I think everyone knows this isn't a team that can compete for titles yet. And I think that is part of the thing with Arsenal, is that a team of that stature, with that history, aiming to finish fifth is, is really underwhelming. Mm. Um, and I think that's maybe going to be the challenge they have all season in terms of really getting behind this project is it's just not what Arsenal were dreaming of and what Arsenal fans expect from their club. Yeah, some very good points there. All right, well, let's move on. As I was mentioning, some returning heroes. By the way, it's great for Claudio Ranieri to return to the Premier League. Is it not fantastic uh, stuff? In this press conference, he was asked uh, if uh, he'll buy his team pizza if Watford beat Liverpool and he said pizza I'll buy them a whole dinner uh and you know it's just great to have him back but as Watford of course face Liverpool that's the early kickoff on Saturday by the way everybody uh, a little side note uh to this is the fact that obviously you know South American players are returning from uh South American Conmebol World Cup qualifiers those games are happening ending at towards the last hours of Thursday night early hours of Friday morning meaning that some players are not back in the UK and Europe until, you know, possibly the afternoon, early evening of, of Friday. And for Liverpool, 
who have Fabinho and Allison and Fabinho himself said it in the press conference. Listen, I don't even know if we're going to be able to play in this game. So that's already an added headache, not to mention, of course, others like Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City, Emiliano Martinez for Aston Villa, etc., etc. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is back for this one, though. However, so Poppy, let's begin with you here. Liverpool against Watford. Liverpool have been very, very good. They've been impressive. Uh, they still haven't lost a game, of course. And they sit one point behind Chelsea in the Premier League table as they face Watford, who obviously, uh, you know, with all due respect, even with Ranieri, are still going to be contending to try and stay in the Premier League as opposed to climb anything higher. What do you think of this game? Yeah, I think that's a great point that you mentioned about the international players making their way back because it's always tricky, isn't it, after the international window? you ne- Even if they do make it back, you're never quite sure what condition they're going to come back in, what that travel has looked like to get them back. And really, if they've even been able to train before the game and then it, it, if Klopp feels like he wants to put them in or if they're ready to go. So a lot of question marks around Liverpool, but this is Liverpool and they have just been absolutely awesome lately, haven't they? They've had a great run in the Champions League so far in a group that's proven to be pretty difficult. Um, and then after that, you know, spell last year that we saw where things just really felt like it was falling apart. I mean, was did they lose six of seven Premier League games last year? And now they're unbeaten in their last 17 top flight matches. So I feel like things are ticking back at Liverpool once again. But I don't know, Ranieri seems to always bring the dream, doesn't he? You think back every time that you hear his name back to that Leicester run and he, you know, he's very realistic. I listened to that press conference too that you were talking about. I don't think he has to worry about buying the team dinner, that's for sure, because I can't see them keeping a clean sheet against Liverpool this weekend. (laughs) But I will say he said, uh, I think he said that 40 points, just survival is key for this year and then we can build on that. So He doesn't necessarily sell the dream in that way, but I think just what he's done with other teams in the past, it brings a bit of magic, doesn't it? Like it can happen. But having said that, I think this is uh, this is just going to be all Liverpool in this one. And uh, I think Liverpool will score goals as well. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like this could be a new record. If Liverpool are to score three or more goals, then they'll become the first ever English team in the top flight to do that in seven consecutive away games and we know that Liverpool just love to rack up the records don't we as well so um yeah I think as as much as that was a nice gesture for dinner I don't think you have to worry about it I'm going all <laughs> Liverpool in this one yeah I'm a hundred percent with with Poppy here and I have to say I don't know who does Claudio Ranieri's PR but I want to know because it is like he's scrubbed bits of the timeline from any memory like we'll Every, and naturally, of course, it's totally natural. We think of Leicester when we think of Claudio Ranieri. And absolutely no one has said the word Fulham at all. As if in recent memory, he did not get that team relegated, that quite good team. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I just, and I, I feel like that would be my worry is this Watford team has a few more of the hallmarks of a Fulham than a Leicester team that if you kind of go back and ask someone like Jamie Vardy and it's a skill, but Ranieri basically came in and said, I didn't really coach them and, you know, let them get on with what they're doing. They're a high performing squad. And that is a skill, but I think at Watford, you probably are going to need a bit of a, a more robust hand on the tiller. I think this is going to be a really hard game. And, you know, as, as Poppy said, Liverpool right now are the, are just phenomenal. I would say probably the best attack in Europe. It's irresistible. I think, I think we were all, not least myself, were um, were guilty of of just forgetting how good 
that Liverpool team was at 100%. And we all sort of were like, oh, it'll take time. But as a unit now, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think the leading chance creator in the Premier League because he's got Van Dijk by his side. Salah, as good as he's been since that first season. Mane back to his best. It's it's brilliant. I, I love watching this team right now. And just as to James's point as well, it's a tough run, isn't it, for Ranieri coming up. They've got, I think they'll play out of the top five teams, they'll play all five of them in their next eight games. So that job is survival, but it's going to look pretty difficult over the next few months, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't really like it when uh, managers nowadays say 40 points, that's the marker. It's like, it's not really. Uh, You know, you have to obviously be perceptive season by season. By the way, I do want to give credit to the work. Yes, there's Norris, we know. Yeah, his time at Greece was not the best either. Uh, (laughs) But Claudio Ranieri did do good things with Sampdoria. Remember, he uh, joined that club when they were last in Serie A, took them to 15th, and then they were ninth the following season. And then that's when... He didn't uh, renew his contract. So he, he can do it as well. Uh, <laughs> and guess what? Jonathan Johnson is waiting in the wings talking about his time with Monaco. Yes. I mean, listen, if we look at the resume of Claudio Ranieri, we'll be here all day. But the, the point is true. Like with this game specifically, if they get anything against Liverpool, I would be amazed. All right, let's uh, move on here to Manchester United's uh, trip to Leicester City. By the way, a few updates here. Harry Maguire remains out. Rafael Varane uh, was injured with a groin issue in the Nations League. According to reports, uh, Axel Tanzuebe, Tanzuebe will not be uh, recalled from Aston Villa, he says, thankfully, um, <laughs> who apparently is enjoying his football once again. But, you know, United have issues at the back, James Bench. We've been talking about United issues uh, throughout this whole time, uh, how they're so, you know, just vibes, pure vibes, and now they're losing one of their key centre-backs. How do you see this game against Leicester City, who are still not looking like the old Leicester City, but, you know, they're still a, a force to be reckoned with and, and looking a little bit more consistent, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue with Leicester is that they just look a, a shadow themselves without Johnny Evans as well. And I, th- I think he'll be back, though, and that, that would help because they they need a, a, someone to marshal that defence, and especially when there's no Fafana as well. I, yeah, I, I don't know what more there is to say about Man United other than it is just vibes, and it will be vibes keep, keeping... Lindelof and Bailly together. I don't think those two have won a game um, since the PSG game where they just gave Oli a new contract off the back of it. Obviously, they oh don't... My God. They don't Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was running the numbers on this. In the Premier League and Champions League, at least, the last game they won was that uh, PSG game. They obviously don't play together very often. They've both right. had injury issues and Maguire is the first choice. But... Um, yeah, I, I'm really fascinated as well by whether we see any change in how Solskjaer uses Jaden Sancho because that is working really badly because so so they bought a right winger to to fill the problem spot at right wing and Solskjaer's playing him at left wing where he is tasked with doing the exact same things that Cristiano Ronaldo does going into that left channel and cutting in on his right foot and Bruno Fernandes pops up there on his right foot as well uh, yeah I just don't the thing is they keep making me look a fool because then they go and rattle off four games and they achieve the bare minimum of top four but I this Man United team's not very good. And I think they're, not, they're definitely going to concede this weekend. I think they might scrape a, a draw, but I don't like this at all. I know what you mean, James. It feels like there's too much traffic in one place, doesn't it, for United mm. lately, especially with Ronaldo. It seems like they're not exactly quite sure what the game plan is yet. And I would just love to be a fly on the wall 
with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I know they do Tottenham documentary Leeds United to you know, take me home. Why is there not a Manchester United one? This is what we want. Manchester to United one. vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've got the title for it. We're, we're ready to go. But it's going to be a tough month as well, isn't it, for United? We talk about this run of games that's coming up. They've got Leicester away, then Atalanta, Liverpool and Tottenham. So I think this, these matchups are really interesting, especially when we've got Champions League coming up over the next few weeks. But you're absolutely right as well as far as Leicester I feel like they've been really underwhelming so far this season not only in the Premier League but how we've seen them play so far in the Europa League and you think back to this time last year and they were just lights out in the Europa League especially in the group stage to get through before that upset uh, in the knockout so I think it's you know definitely work to do for Leicester so this is really interesting with two teams that are a bit unpredictable aren't they really coming into this one so I'm not quite sure what to expect I was trying to think of what prediction I would go for put my Jimmy Conrad hat on but go ahead what do you think I'm not really sure I think we could (laughs) potentially see an upset then you never know what you're going to get from United so could they come out and be lights out so James what do you think I I went for two all when I had to do my prediction on this one I, because it, it's one of those really safe predictions, isn't it? Where I'm basically saying that anything could happen, but there'll be goals. And that feels like, I feel like that's about all we know about United right now. So yeah, I just, I'm playing it very safe on everything United. I agree. Really, I think there'll be goals in a draw. I'm, I'm, I'm going with you, James. Well, Leicester City are uh, haven't won a game in the last uh, three in the Premier League, and they have conceded in each one. So goals should come, right? They lost one nothing to Manchester City. They lost two one to Brighton. Then after that uh, uh, cup game against Millwall, they tied two all against Burnley. So you would think that because of that and Manchester United's defensive issues, two all is not that unrealistic. All right, well let's take a look at the rest of the Premier League from this weekend. We talked about Watford and Liverpool, of course, as the early kickoff. Southampton host Leeds United. By the way, also with Rafinha issues, depending on the traveling from uh, World Cup qualifiers. Norwich against Brighton, the greatest club the world has ever seen, against Wolves. Leicester City against Manchester United. Man City, Burnley, Brentford, Chelsea. That should be a good one. Everton, West Ham. We talked about Newcastle and Tottenham and, of course, Arsenal and Crystal Palace. Before we wrap up the Premier League, anything to take note from any of those games, uh, Poppy Miller? Oh, I think the only other one that I've got my eye on is the Brentford-Chelsea game. I feel like Mm. Brentford have just become one of those teams. If you don't necessarily have a team in the Premier League, Brentford is a good one to get behind. I love the atmosphere at the stadium, the the Hey Jude that they sing. And I think Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel are always a good team to watch, fun team to watch. They've got another tough schedule as well with uh, Champions League back next week. So, yeah, definitely going to be watching that one. Yeah, Brentford in seventh. How about you, uh, James Bench? Anything else to look out for? I mean, I hate to, to, I don't hate to do this again, but I'm kind of really excited to see what Wolves can do to your Aston Villa team. They are right now one of the best attacks in the league, but they're not putting the ball, they started to put the ball in the net. Um, Raul Jimenez as well. Kind of That's a lovely story seeing him feeling a bit better with himself. um, Scored for Mexico as well. um, Yeah, exactly. Um, And then Adama Traore, I'm starting to come around to the idea he's the best player outside the big six. I know that's a bit rogue, but he's playing phenomenally at the moment. Yep, and our record against Wolves, by the way, in recent months and years have not been great. So it should be definitely one to look out for. By the way, if you didn't know, Poppy Miller's a Nottingham Forest fan. Uh, I know she's already... 
really upset because if I look at the championship table, Forest are come. What's going on with your Forest, Poppy Miller? Seriously. Well, you know what? It's getting better. That's what I'll say. So imagine how bad it was to start the season. We've already sacked the manager earlier on this year. They're 17th in the championship and they're unbeaten in their last four. So it was absolutely awful to start the new season. But I am going uh, back to England in a couple of weeks. So maybe um, maybe I can bring some luck to the city ground. Well, that would be good. Well, Forest face Blackpool uh, this uh, weekend. By the way, thank you for Maddie Cash uh, or Maddie Kaszowski. Yeah. Be playing for Poland That's the problem. We just we just sell all our best players. So I mean, what can we expect? I know, but hopefully we'll see. By the way, Nottingham Forest, everybody, uh, European champions uh, back in the day. So don't you forget that. James Bench. Uh, anything else before we say goodbye to Poppy? Did you want to ask her anything in particular? Uh, it's always a pleasure to have Poppy and James. Why Bench did you not tell me I might have to do this beforehand? I might have prepared something to ask. I oh, don't really. I know. I feel bad. I like to sometimes surprise you, James Bench. Sometimes it's. Yeah, a- I, I, sorry, Poppy. This feels really rude, but I don't have anything to ask. <laughs> you know what? I will say I love that we've actually. We were just saying we've got more time to talk today because every time that we normally see James, it's you know we don't get much time. And I will say every time I've seen James Bench lately, he has had. A different background. So, James, are you doing a you doing a tour lately, aren't you? Because you've been somewhere different every time I've seen you. So, yeah, um, I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy this. Uh, so, we briefly moved into the apartment we've bought in London. Um, very briefly moved in, and now we've been hurled out by the builders who are building a giant. Well, not giant extension. I mean, this is London, like, but it's giant by London standards. So, uh, for our American listeners, it's sort of a car, a small tiny thing yeah um but yeah so i've been turfed out of there and i'm back with uh, my partner's parents for the next four months so we'll be jumping around more backgrounds um as part of my bid to brighten everyone up and surprise everyone that's on zoom calls with us oh boy you're with the future in-laws i'm afraid here james Bench. that's gonna be a well make I don't sure know if they listen to this podcast but just in case they do thank you so much for having me <laughs> much love to stan and ruth well, and before, before Poppy says goodbye, Des does want to know, our producer wants to know, Poppy, what do you think of James Benjamin's shirt? He looks good, huh? I love it. I'm all for James Benjamin's shirts. James, oh, you know, he brings something different with his backgrounds. He brings something different with his shirts. He's, 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 our, he's our mystery man. I love it. I love well, it. James. Our HQ producer, Shaw, would never let me get away with anything. This never. But on this, you know, I wish I'd worn a little bit dressier outfit to say this is the one year anniversary, but we're going casual Thursday. Is it? Is it Thursday today? Casual Thursday today. Yeah, exactly. We can be keep it casual, but always, always a pleasure to have Poppy Miller, CBS Sports HQ's own. By the way, Poppy will return, of course, with much more content, including the Champions League, as it returns to CBS Sports. Poppy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, guys. I will see you next week for a busy week. Absolutely. We will be right back when Jonathan Johnson comes in and we discuss the rest of Europe. We'll be right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everybody, welcome back to Kego Lasso, our weekend preview. Poppy Miller leaves. Jonathan Johnson enters the hizzy. JJ, how are you, bud? Very well, thanks. And you? I'm great, man. I'm excited that you're here. Do you like James Benj's shirt, Jonathan Johnson? I love it. I, I was trying to think of something witty to say before coming on. Uh, you know, it feels like James has gone to some very important uh, gathering of some sort, possibly a wedding. I don't know. I just I can picture him throwing some like dried out rose petals like in the air Ooh. celebrating something wearing this kind of outfit but no I'm, I'm very impressed very colorful much more so it than is mine. wedding season it <laughs> is indeed i may well wear this to my next one don't <laughs> wear it to my there's, one there's, there's, there's still more to go there's been what five so far it, it, i'm is that right? yeah J, i mean jj will know having had to cover for me for so many of my outings <laughs> but, um i September was like never ending weddings. So, um, and it, they're back in November. Everyone is getting, everyone I know is getting married at the moment. Yeah, I'm like you, man. I'm about to get a lot of oh, weddings. Forewarned is forearmed. <laughs> but welcome back, everybody. Jonathan Johnson joins in the house as we discuss the rest of Europe. Right, JJ, let's talk PSG. Let's talk Gini Wijnaldum. Um, I don't know if Des, you'll have the tweet on the screen, pop it up from our very own. Fabrizio Romano, Gini Wijnaldum had some comments to say about PSG, Leonardo, and Mauricio Pochettino. And here it is. To be honest, I can't say I'm completely happy at Paris Saint-Germain because the situation is not what I wanted. Sometimes if you don't play, it's worrying. JJ, what is this about? He just joined the club. Um, I mean, I take it takes time. I understand it's star loaded, this this team. But what's going on? What's going on with uh, Gini Wijnaldum? I mean, let's break it down into real simple terms. I think you'd be worried as well if you've got Ander Herrera and Idrissa Gueye ahead of you scoring goals for fun uh, while you're, you know, barely, barely getting on the pitch. And I think Therein lies the the issue. Uh, you know, Maurizio Pochettino has been scrabbling around now for, for quite some time, trying to work out exactly what his strongest 11 looks like, especially while he still hasn't been able to put what you would assume would be quite an important part of that 11 in Sergio Ramos, even on the training ground, let alone on the actual football pitch. So with all that going on, Pochettino is, you know, trying to mix and match all of the, the different players that he has available to him. And given the midfielders that he has available to him and the vast array of star talent in attack, it is very difficult to imagine a scenario where PSG play with more than three midfielders at any given time. One of those positions will always be given to Verratti when he's fit. Uh, and the other is going to the players who are in better form. And Idrissa Gay, given that he's a ball-winning midfielder and is now scoring goals as well, uh, you know, is naturally ahead of him in the pecking order. And Ander Herrera, 
is also doing a very good job filling that role. So I think Wijnaldum finds himself having arrived at PSG, uh, having gotten a few opportunities early on and not really seized them, uh, you know, is now sort of on the outside looking in, waiting for an opportunity, which could come as early as Friday, uh, given that PSG will be without quite a few players because of the international break and the South American contingent, uh, you know, to impress Pochettino and get himself back in the reckoning. Because at this moment in time, it's hard to argue with him, uh, you know, being behind the likes of Gay, being behind the likes of Herrera. And let's not forget, Wijnaldum's not the only one. You've got Leandro Paredes as well, who many people rate. I'm not as big a fan of him as, as some are, but you know he's another player who's uh, you know sort of on the fringes at this moment in time. I find this fascinating because I think one of the things that we all sort of forget, Van Allen was a, a midfielder, but he was a, a world class team. You know, a team that will be competing with Liverpool. I think we think, sorry, competing with PSG. We think for uh, the Champions League and is certainly aspires to that level. But playing that midfield role in Liverpool was really a unique set of circumstances where what was asked of him was not probably not what a player like Vinaldum would have done beforehand. Certainly not the Vinaldum we saw at Newcastle. He was a shuttler, a, a presser, not really a goal scorer. And I think it's a really unique setup there for any midfielders where they were asked as much to guard um, their fullbacks and allow Robertson and Alexander Arnold to bomb on. Whereas, I mean, JJ, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, maybe to an extent he could play that shuttling role if, if Potter is using a three. I guess if you're playing Messi at the 10, I don't really know how Vinaldum fits in there. As you say, he's not a ball winner like Gay. He's He doesn't set the table in the same way Verratti does. I mean, I looking back at it, I think certainly he would probably should have stayed at Liverpool, but certainly PSG was the wrong club. I don't know what you think or whether he might even be tempted to go back there in January or, or go to Newcastle where he's obviously a bit of a hero. Um, and um, yeah, they've got the money certainly to match his PSG salary. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of those observations are, you know, off the mark at this moment in time. I, the one thing that I would say, I guess, is that I think when PSG made the move for Wijnaldum, and we know that he was very close to, to Barca when I chatted with him a few weeks ago, he's very generous with his time, very open as well about the fact that he was deep in talks with Barcelona before PSG made a play to sign yeah. him. I think that PSG expected him to be doing what Herrera and Gay have unexpectedly been doing uh, so far this season. And I think it's that surprise value because many people wrote Herrera off after last season because he wasn't the same player uh, that we'd seen in the past for Manchester United, for Athletic Club, wasn't really taking the opportunities given to him. And because there were so uh, many absentees at the beginning of this season, particularly Verratti, uh, because after the Euro he picked up an injury, uh, you know, he really seized that opportunity. Uh, and Wijnaldum now finds himself sort of out of the, the reckoning with, with no momentum. I mean, I think it's a bit early to speculate about whether he might make a move in January. But, you know, you've definitely already got a few players in that PSG squad who they're not going to be sitting around uh, sort of tolerating, uh, you know, this sort of rotational system and sometimes not even getting on the pitch for much longer. You know, we've just about seen the the end of the the sort of mini Donnarumma uh, Navas saga in that Donnarumma now appears to be the established starter for this moment in time, especially given that Navas just picked up an injury on international duty. Uh, and then you've got similar in the, in the midfield now as well, where Herrera and Gay, you know, will naturally be looked to by Pochettino. Because let's not forget, despite the fact that PSG were 100% in Ligue 1 up until the, the Rennes defeat just before the international break, PSG have barely been convincing this season. 
you know, Pochettino doesn't want to change too many of the bits that work at this moment in time for fear of not getting the right result in a match that adds unnecessary pressure. You know, they managed to pull it out of the hat against Manchester City with by far and away their best showing of the season. Uh, and now it's very going to be very difficult for someone like Wijnaldum to you know, impress Pochettino enough to get back into the reckoning. So he's going to need to take his opportunities like on Friday against Angers when you would expect him to feature given the amount of players that have been missing. And if if he doesn't, then he can't really have that many complaints because when he has been put on the pitch, you know, it's been very clear that he's not necessarily been doing what Pochettino has been asking of him. There was a scene that I remember from a clash with Mess a couple of weeks ago where PSG won it at the death uh, through Ashraf Hakimi. He actually got a double uh, that game. And, uh, you know, there was a moment where Pochettino and Neymar, of all people, took Wijnaldum aside on the pitch and basically were explaining to him where he needed to be uh, in the midfield in terms of his positioning. You know, that I would find quite concerning. Uh, you know, if I was Wijnaldum and I'm getting dressed down, uh, you know, on the pitch by teammates and by the coach, uh, you know, and I think that speaks volumes sort of perhaps about how lost he feels at this moment in time in Paris. Yeah, well, you know, to your point that this game against Angers is on Friday and uh, Lionel Messi is playing against Peru. Uh, that game won't end until like, you know, 9.30, 10 p.m. local time. They won't get no way he's featuring. Then there's other players as well, you know, Marquinhos, etc. So if he doesn't play in this game and doesn't take full advantage at home, then uh, we have a big problem here. Right, let's move on uh, because we got plenty more, but... Very quick, uh, JJ, talk to us about the new, the recent announcement from LFP about four teams being relegated from League on. When is this happening? Why is it happening? Reaction? What's going on? Yeah, so uh, back at the beginning of the 2000s, League on changed from being an 18-team league to a 20-team league. And now the reverse is going to be happening. Basically, League on have been thinking about ways that they can potentially make uh, the product more attractive. Uh, and one of the things that they feel is that there should be fewer teams. Uh, you know, that in theory makes some of the matches more prestigious. Uh, and obviously from a club point of view as well, it's suddenly very appetizing uh, because there'll be more TV money available, fewer fewer clubs to share it with. Uh, mm. You know, and the hope is that, you know, France will be able to rebuild its domestic TV situation after the disaster that was Media Pro, uh, you know, during the during the COVID pandemic uh, when it was at its height. So now you've got this scenario where not this season, but the following one, uh, so the one finishing in 2023, we'll see four teams relegated, two teams promoted, the playoffs uh, between the Ligue 2 and Ligue 1 sides completely scrubbed. Okay. Uh, and from then on, you're going to have two teams uh, swapping league each season. Uh, so, you know, how the other clubs outside of Ligue 1 feel about that, we'll have to wait and see. It's not actually been made fully official yet uh, by the LFP, but it's something that the clubs voted on back in the summer uh, and something that was passed uh, yesterday. So expect to hear about this uh, in the next uh, few days or maybe even a few weeks. We'll see when the LFP decide to announce it. But it is something that obviously will concern a lot of those big clubs who are, you know, sort of, fighting for survival season after season uh, and are not particularly well run. I'm thinking of the likes of Saint-Étienne, Bordeaux, who were saved from administration over the over the summer. It's, you know, they're, they're really going to need to pull their fingers out if they're to avoid being sucked down and dropped into Ligue 2. I, I just would I want to ask you, JJ, briefly, why, the, why, why did the clubs vote in favour for this? We have this conversation um, in the Premier League sometimes, and I think the general consensus is, 
you have maybe the, the the top six and presumably in presumably in France, maybe only PSG and Lyon would, would sort of say this is in our interest because we have fewer games and we don't think we'll get relegated that year. But surely for a lot of teams, this is a bit like Turkey's voting for Christmas or Turkey's voting for Thanksgiving, maybe. <laughs> I mean, the, Not the, the country, one, by the way. The the, the one the one, cl- the one club who I know were against this proposal from the summer were Mess. Uh, whether they were the, still opposed to it uh, come the, this round of voting, I I don't know. But it it appears that one voice is not enough to to stop the majority from from plowing ahead with that decision. And I think the reason why so many of the other clubs are okay with this uh, and are prepared to vote for it is because they convince themselves that they won't be one of those four teams that makes the drop there. They'll look around them and say, no, surely, you know, we're a lot better than, you know, some of these other teams. So there's no way that we'll drop into the four, but you know, league on can be a very, very unpredictable league, particularly once you get out of the European positions and into that sort of mid table uh, area, you know, quite often the relegation places don't get decided until the very end of the season. And like I said, if clubs like Saint-Étienne, like Bordeaux are not less chaotic in the next year or so, you know, we really may well see some very big casualties, uh, you know, dropping down uh, from the top tier into the second tier and potentially going below that because if they have, financial problems uh, that an 18-team league on would help to solve with the TV money, uh, you know, then their their financial woes will only be beginning if they're going to drop out of uh, league on uh, and then faced with administrative uh, difficulties. Uh, very quick here, JJ. This, this means an expansion on League 2 to 22 teams? Uh, that's yet to be decided. Uh, that's obviously one possibility. The other possibility is restructuring the lower leagues a la uh, the Spanish league, the way that they've approached it, uh, especially with regards to the third tier. Uh, so we'll see what developments come. I think it was more a question of decide about Ligue 1 and then we'll figure out the rest. So I think there's now going to be a discussion uh, as to what to do with Ligue 2. All right. Well, a lot of great information. Let's move on to Serie A, which, by the way, you can watch on Paramount Plus some tasty games as well. But let's refresh the memory of everybody here in Serie A. Napoli looking good still uh, as the international break shuts. 21 points. AC Milan after that Inter, Roma, Fiorentina and Lazio. And that's who we are talking about right now as uh, Lazio face Inter, Juventus face Roma. Uh, Juve Roma is on Sunday, 2.45 Eastern. Lazio Inter on Saturday at noon Eastern. Uh, Serie A is looking good. It's looking tight as well. And obviously, it's even more intriguing when it's a weekend prior to the Champions League. James Benji, anything to take note here from Serie A, specifically in those games, by the way, as Juventus face Jose Mourinho and Roma and, of course, Lazio against Inter. Anything from that? Well, I mean, I'd certainly be putting Lazio Inter on the TV because whatever happens with Lazio, there's goals and there's excitement. I mean, this is the joy of of Sarri ball in its early stages is one day they can blow teams away. You know, brilliant stuff down the left flank. Um, Felipe Anderson has looked really good in patches as well. And then the next, they'll get absolutely hammered by a team by like Bologna. Um, I think they lost three yeah. 0 in the last game. It is this is high variance football that can go really wrong or really right, and then you kind of balance that with an Inter Milan team that just have to have one eye on the Champions League uh, against my beloved Sheriff, um, where they pretty much need at least four points, um, having kind of sl- started really slowly. So do they have one eye on that? You know they're playing really well in Serie A, 
But um, yeah, I think that's going to be a really fun game. And certainly if I weren't sure what to do on my Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, that would be one I'd be watching. What do you think, JJ? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to this coming weekend. I mean, one of the stories that I've found really fascinating so far this season uh, has been Fiorentina's renaissance. Uh, You know, they've really sort of found themselves under Vincenzo Italiano. I think he's doing a very, very good job. They look a little short in terms of challenging the very top dogs in the league, but otherwise they look like they've become a very, very solid team and one that's definitely going to be competing for European qualification of some sort come the end of the campaign. So, you know, very keen to see if they can continue uh, you know, their revival in form when they play Venezia. That's actually the, the, the Monday game. Uh, so that's going to be a, a very stylish one to watch for, for all you uh, kit lovers out there. Venezia and their fantastic array of uh, jerseys and Fiorentina in their traditional violet. Uh, the other game, obviously, I think that, that so many people are going to be keeping an eye on this weekend, Juve-Roma. Jose Mourinho, who's really enjoying his return to Italy so far. Uh, Massimiliano Allegri, who's not having the best time of it going back to Turin with Juve. Uh, you know, they, they say sometimes, you know, you should never go back. And that certainly seems to be, uh, you know, perhaps the, the case for, for Allegri so far. And I think that there's a lot of pressure riding on, uh, on, on this game with Allegri, given the way that Juve has started the season. OK, they've picked up a little bit of late domestically, uh, you know, but it has been a really, really slow start to the campaign, especially when you look at teams like Napoli, uh, you know, who have just absolutely shot out of the blocks and look like they're going to be very difficult to catch. Yeah, watch out for Tommy Abraham, by the way, who obviously uh, suffered a knock with England, uh, only limited him to 15 minutes of action. So he's hopeful he will feature in the game against Juventus, but the one to watch, of course. All right, let's uh, wrap up here with other games. Take note, by the way, uh, in Germany, Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich. Uh, That's second against first, so that should be an intriguing one. And Barcelona against Valencia. It's the crisis club derby. Des Norris producer. Well done. That's a, I like that one. Uh, Serginho Dest against Yunus Musa. Of course, two players that did very well for the US MNT. One fed the other one for that screamer. And Serginho Dest goal, by the way. Anything from those games, James Bench, specifically Barcelona, Valencia. I mean, listen, like Kuman still needs points. He still needs results, right? He was embarrassed by Atletico Madrid last time around. I just think it's really exciting for our US listeners that they've got to the stage where the safe, sane place to go for Destin Musa is to go and play with the USMNT because their clubs <laughs> are just, they must be like, oh, thank God. When's the next international break? They're coming back going, oh, it's, it's uh, ne- next month. Can't wait. Need to get back to you guys. Units Musa, by the way, was amazing this window. Such a good player. This, oh, good. this kid, and I mean, you know, I've, I remember seeing him at, when he was at Arsenal a long time ago. This kid is phenomenal. He's he's got the whole package, and I think he can develop into whatever sort of midfielder he wants to be. Whether it's creative, whether it's a you know more of a, a driving player through a, a four three three, he's got he's got the lot. I really like him, and um, I'd expect an awful lot from him in a US shirt and whatever. He's team every he's, he's everything Gideon Zelalem promised to be. Oh God, Zelalem, that's right. <laughs> Oh, God. Isn't it fun, everybody, that this weekend preview features zero Americans and we talk so fondly of them? Uh, But no, you know what? You know what? I actually wanted to add something when I was looking at the fixtures this weekend. uh, Obviously, I'm looking ahead to next week's Champions League games with RB Leipzig coming to Paris. 
Christopher Nkunku picking up an injury in training. Now that mm. is potentially really damaging for Leipzig, given the way that he's performing so far this season and the pressure that Jesse Marsh finds himself under as well. Now, I don't think that they're going to have too much trouble in the game at the weekend against Freiburg. With all due respect to Freiburg, I definitely think that Leipzig have the personnel uh, you know, to be able to win that one. But if Nkunku's out for, I don't know, say a month, six weeks, this is going to be even trickier this period for, for Jesse Marsh, who's already under pressure, given that Leipzig haven't exactly started the season well, as we would have expected, given the, the, the players and the, and, and the coach in Julian Nagelsmann that they lost over the summer. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, so another good game to watch out for. By the way, the only one that I would add is uh, in the championship, uh, we got Swansea against Cardiff. That's going to be a great Welsh derby. One there, of the so best derbies in England. It, well, uh, no, not in uh, England, famously. I think, uh, yeah, in, we knew what you meant. Uh, but definitely one of the best games out there as well. All right, any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Jonathan Johnson, anything else to add before we say goodbye? Uh, I think we've pretty much covered it, guys. I'm just, you know, really looking forward to getting back into domestic action uh, and obviously looking forward to another busy week with you guys next week with the Champions League. The Europa League, as James Benj, will be so excited uh, to have it back and obviously, uh, well, maybe less so the, the Europa Conference League. <laughs> James? <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be the maddest of mad weeks um, coming up, isn't it? From tomorrow night, uh, Friday, we've got PSG. And then I don't think there's a, a football-free night then until goodness knows when. We'll have Champions League the week after that. It's League Cup in England. I'm sure there'll be midweek fixtures across the continent. It is about to go crazy. Um, yeah. And I think we're all going to be missing the relative sanity of the international break quite soon. Yeah, good point. And by the way, next weekend, oh my goodness, El Clásico, Marseille against PSG. There's just games everywhere. It's going to be a crazy one. So to Jane Benja's point, this game never stops, neither do we. By the way, um, on Sunday, I'll be going live on YouTube with Jimmy Conrad, and he fears to recap the whole action of this weekend coming up. Make sure to join us and be part of the chat in the comment section. And our producer, Des, will share your opinions, questions, and bright ideas on screen subscribe to the Kego Lasso YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso for all the latest content and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts please leave a five-star rating and review Spotify Stitcher and so much more James Bench thank you so much my friend thank you very much Jonathan Johnson always a pleasure likewise great to be back on with you guys and on behalf of myself, Poppy Miller as well, thank you so much. She absolutely killed it. She always does. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the action and this weekend coming up and the Champions League the following week. We'll see you next time. <laughs>